Welcome to Stories Jesus Told, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Fresh Dot, Wisconsin. Here is Trinity's Rick Adams and Pastor Carl Landbauer. Welcome back, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt with our senior pastor, Carl Landbauer. Good to be back. It is great to be back here with you. We probably should uh, let our audience know we did a little research and discovered what hyssop was, and it is a branch that was used to... Sprinkle the blood of the Passover lamb on the door frames, and so it was a, a mark of atonement and forgiveness. Which makes total sense that David would employ that in that that psalm yesterday, yeah, talking about being wiped with hyssop as part of his forgiveness. So we just wanted to get that one out of the way in case anybody was still bothered by that. Um, but today our text is Colossians three, uh, starting at verse twelve, and. Um, just looking at verses 12 to 15, it's a shorter text, but it's dense in content. So, Pastor, take it away. Yeah, one of those passages has lots and lots of implications and applications uh, in our lives. But let me read the words here. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So, right away in... Right off the bat here, Paul is identifying and using identifying words to describe God's people as being chosen and holy, which is to say set apart for God's purposes and, of course, dearly loved. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really critical. Uh, we have a tendency to jump into um, the scriptures and, and often, especially in Paul's letters, to jump in with the commands because we can take those and we can kind of run with them. And that's, there's a lot of uh, kind of instruction here, but Paul, most of his letters, the way he writes is he gives you all the theology, which is the gospel and the forgiveness and the grace comes earlier in the letter. And then towards the end, he starts saying, now here's how you go and, and live in view of that. And so this is kind of a hinge. We're, we're turning the page and now put on then, since you are God's chosen ones, since you are already holy, since you're already beloved, this is how you live which is so important to remember. We don't, this is not how you get holy. This is not how you get loved. It's because you already are. Yeah. And there's some real doctrine here too, because when you think about where he says, you have to clothe yourselves with this. Mm. To me, that is a reminder that this is not something that is a part of the original equipment here. Mm. I have to actually put this on. Mm. It's not part of who I am already. Uh, I think, Paul also alludes to it, is it in Ephesians 6, where he talks about putting on the full armor of Christ, right? So there again, <clears throat> we have to add this by the grace of God through the, through the Holy Spirit. It's added to who we are. It comes to us from the outside, not from within us. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Even the ability to put it on is yeah. a gift to us, right, that comes by the Spirit. But yeah. yes, but you don't, you don't just passively hope to become compassionate. You develop a compassionate heart. You choose to act in kindness, um, and and you know 
theologically, that's God's spirit in you, but in practical terms, it's it's us living and making some choices and repenting when we fall short. Exactly. I feel like sometimes we, I, I know I'm guilty of this because I really do like to highlight and remember the fact that you know, as Luther says, nothing good lives, in, or Paul says, nothing good lives in me, in my sinful nature. I, I, things I know I should do, I don't do. So, okay, all that aside, there's still Paul is still giving us marching orders here. He, he's basically saying, you, you can do this, you mm-hmm. can handle this because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And so, if if he were, if we were incapable of clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility. He wouldn't be telling us to do it, right? It yeah. seems kind of obvious, but uh, I think it, it's too easy for me to say, "Well, I'm, my, my original sin doesn't allow me to do anything good. Therefore, <laughs> I'm not going to even They're try." Off the hook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a little bit of a theologian's trap. I had a professor at seminary who commented once that if if our doctrine ever takes us to the place where we can't do what the apostles did. Mm-hmm then our doctrine has led us astray here, right? Mm-hmm. So our theology shouldn't lead us to a place where we no longer uh, believe these kinds of uh, exhortations are appropriate or something like that. But right. I, I think that's kind of a theologian's trap. I don't think our folks listening at home, by and large, mostly they feel like, oh, I, I need to do a better job of yeah. this. That's yeah. probably the more immediate reaction yeah. for most people. Okay, uh, bear with each other. I... I, I read into that that even 2,000 years ago, as the church was still in its very early infancy stages, there already was trouble amongst the Christians in getting along with each mm-hmm. other. And I think it just speaks to our sinful nature that as long as there's human beings involved in something, there's going to be a need to put up with mm-hmm. and bear with one another mm-hmm. um, just being in the church does not insulate us from these types of things. Yeah, this is honestly this is the perfect passage to read when you are in conflict with other with others. This is the passage to bring into the room because it just sets the stage for everything that's necessary. the The compassion and the kindness and the humility that that sets the stage for being able to actually have a real conversation. Um, the the forgiveness, of course, when you're in conflict with another, that's that's just absolutely critical. Uh, over all this put on love uh, when you're when you're in conflict with somebody but you love them it changes the whole dynamic of that conversation right as, as opposed to you know just trying to win and that bearing with one another i love that because it's kind of a almost like a lowest common denominator it's <laughs> like you know what if we can do nothing else we can at least bear with each other and that yeah. is going to make it possible for sinful people to live in community and the beautiful thing about when that happens is sometimes over time it transforms, right? It starts with bearing with each other and it right. ends with appreciating the uniquenesses and the differences that God put in the body of Christ for a purpose. When I have to when I when I have to consider how it might be difficult to bear with somebody, I have to remember how difficult it must be for that person to bear with me. Yeah. And we recognize that we're all in this together and uh so yeah. Yeah. I know as we think about the parable, the reason for this text is the the forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. That is what the servant was supposed to be doing. Forgive the debt as the king forgave his. And that is precisely how we are called uh, to forgive too. And there's there's just so much in that phrase. Um, These other pieces around it 
are really helpful for laying a groundwork within which that forgiveness becomes possible. Right. Because the compassion and the kindness and, and the love uh, enables you to um, just stay in the relationship. And, um, yeah. Yeah, if we're doing, you know, when Paul says, uh, on top of all of these virtues, mm-hmm. put on love, that kind of binds it all together. I feel like if we're doing, if, if we get that part right, then everything else will have already fit into place. It, love is the thing that makes all of this possible, that uh, the love that we have from God emboldens us and, and motivates us to love one another. Yeah. And uh, as he puts it in the, in the NIV, it, it, it's phrased, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, the church, right? For all of our our uh, blemishes, it's the perfect unity that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ that binds us together. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. ESV says harmony. Hmm. I'll have to look that up later and see mm-hmm. what's going on there. Uh, but either way, it's a picture of something really beautiful. Yeah, and it's and it's the beauty of people who are different from one another being brought together into something that makes those differences a good thing instead of a, uh, a, you know, just a difficulty or a challenge to overcome. Right. It, it really means, you know, again, you, you reminded us that this is all hearkening back to that parable of the unmerciful servant. And when it comes to forgiveness, one of the reasons why we find forgiveness to be such a difficult thing for us is because we feel like um, there's been an injustice, you know, that we have been, uh, in, in some way, the, 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 the scales are not balanced in our favor. And so we want to try to exact some sort of a payment for mm-hmm. for that. And it, it just becomes this continuous attempt to, well, I'm going to get back at you for this. And then that person's going to want to get back at me for them, for me getting mm-hmm. back at them. And the, the illusion here is that somehow we can accomplish Mm-hmm. Peace and harmony through revenge, mm-hmm. and of course, the the truth is that you, you, the payment that we make, I guess, when we forgive somebody, is we're relinquishing the the right to get back anything that has been taken from us. Right. And the only way we can look at the ultimate example of that is Christ on the cross. Right. And that's the idea of as the Lord forgave you, so mm-hmm. you also forgive. It's the the Lord did not put any qualifiers on it. He, he just gave himself to give us this forgiveness. And um, that kind of unqualified willingness to forgive is is remarkable. And it's remarkable because it's not just a feeling like the scales are tipped. It's a reality, right? Someone wounded you. That's why there is a need to forgive. And that hurt and the damage they did is real. And, and that's why, I mean, in passages like this, God calls us to forgive. And then he says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. He gives us the freedom to pass that debt and and to let him balance the scales. And and if if I've wounded somebody, that balancing the scales is going to happen one of two ways: either that the, what I did, I'm going to pay for on the last day, or what I did, Christ paid for on the cross. And either way, the scales get balanced. Um, but the Lord is He's not overlooking. He's not missing anything. Every single hurt is that the the suffering that um, it takes to balance that out, it, it's going to be a reality. 
which is only half good news. It's only good news if you're in Christ, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that should take us perhaps to uh, our Rejoice, Repent request, uh, unless there's anything in here yet that, that you wanted to to bring out. I think we can. I think we can start to talk about how this teaches us to pray. Yes, absolutely. We we see uh, a lot of humility required here, right? So, mm. um, as as I think about rejoicing, you know, it goes to what I said at the beginning about how we sometimes kind of skip past the first part of, you know, the theological part of the letter and jump right to the what do you do, mm-hmm. and the rejoicing is in those first words, right? You're God's chosen one. Yeah. You're holy. You're beloved. That doesn't change your your performance as a you know in bearing with one another or having a compassionate heart. It doesn't change. You're still you're already chosen. Yeah, you're he's already pointing out our identity. Already loved. This is who you are. Yep. Now act like it. Yep. 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 <laughs> Which the beautiful thing about that is the more that you do it, the more you love doing it. When you're when you're living within your core identity, mm-hmm. you love living that way. And so he's not. He, I mean, it feels like a sacrifice to be kind to someone who's not been kind to you or whatever, but. Ultimately, it's deeply satisfying to to embrace I'm chosen, I'm holy, I'm loved, and I'm living like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's clearly uh, a great rejoice uh, example right there. Uh, so let's move on to the next one. Repent. What can we repent of here? I repent of keeping score, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and not bearing with one another in love as I'm, I'm as I'm called to. Um, so much of this is the internal struggle that we go through when it comes to relationships with people. It's not so much we, what we say; it's what we imagine ourselves saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. What's the phrase? If you if you have an imaginary conversation with somebody, you probably better go have a real one. That's uh, <laughs> I heard that from a preacher once. And, yeah. yeah, that is that is often where the sin lies, right? It's mm-hmm. in our hearts and in our attitudes, which punishes nobody but ourselves. Right. That's that's the the trap of yeah. unforgiveness. Right. And uh something that I think everybody can relate to. We all we all need to repent uh, of that. Um the the language here, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Uh, that's so specific if one has a complaint because mm-hmm. that is not what we do. And right. that's a call to repentance right there because what I do when I have a complaint is I complain. Yeah. And and uh, Paul is teaching me that who I am in Christ, uh, that's not how Christ handles it. And right. so or it, me either. And I'm certainly not saying that this is something you do, but a lot of times if we have a grievance against someone, we will share that grievance with anybody other than that person. Right. And then there's triangulation that occurs and it gets ugly in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah, and does no good. Right. Yeah. And then that leads us to request. And I feel like, uh, again, in that last verse, um, Paul kind of gives us a, a great expression of a request when he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. So for me, that request would be to let, you know, through the Holy Spirit, imploring the Holy Spirit, let me grab hold of that peace in Christ. Mm. And you're at the end, and my request, I think, is at the beginning. The the faith to believe, I'm God's chosen one, I'm holy, I'm beloved, 
already before anything else happens because yeah. we're just so driven towards performance and I'm I'm driven towards that too and just start with that foundation of just that grace um, that's the request that comes to my mind is just faith to believe that on a daily basis and moment by moment um, holy beloved chosen what a blessing it is to be standing sitting across the table sharing God's word uh, we hope that this is proving to be a blessing for you. Uh, we're certain that it is. If, in fact, you know, if you've got the scriptures out and you're talking about God's word with somebody, I don't know how you can walk away from that without feeling a blessing. And so uh, it's been uh, another great podcast, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. And we certainly hope that you can come back again tomorrow. So, um, on behalf of Pastor Carl, you guys have a, a great rest of the day, and we'll see you tomorrow.